Hello and welcome to the WooCast episode number 33 with Jennifer Sedini. My name is Mackie. And I'm Juliet. And we're here to explore all things weird, weird and woo-woo. woo-woo. What's going on? How you feeling? Episode 33. It's a big one. It's my Jesus year. <laughs> I've been told that, you know, my 33rd year, um, which will be in September, is going to be my Jesus year. It's a big year. Hey, we're, we're almost there. Only a couple months away. For those of I'm you who have no idea what I'm talking about, I've heard from astrologers and very spiritual people that that is a, a really strong year. And I do feel like that's going to be a big year for me, regardless of that. But I like calling it my Jesus year because it sounds cool. Yeah, I like that too. I mean, I, I hear of 33 very often. There's like Club 33. Like there's 33 has a lot of significance in a lot of ways. Yeah, Club 33 was the club that my dad had that he passed away in. Mm, okay. Inside Club 33. It's also a thing at Disney World. What do you mean? There's a Club 33. It's like for the like VIPs. It's oh. a place that's like inside of Disney Ooh. World. And who knows what goes on there. Yeah. And also, in terms of synchronicities and angel numbers, 333 has been the sequential like number. Is that right? Sequential sequencing? The numbers, it's the, number. the numbers that I've been seeing for probably the last... I want to say six plus months leading up to the move and everything like that. And you'll hear in this episode that we hadn't moved yet. You were getting ready to move and we've been here. Uh, today will mark a month from the time that we drove off from Philadelphia and yeah. moved to Colorado. Yeah, one exactly one month as we record this. Pretty cool. And we were just saying how crazy fast things have been manifesting and just showing up in the last month. Like it feels as if it's been... Like I mean, six one, months. it's it's nuts to think one month ago, our lives were completely different and how much has changed in just a short amount of time. Yeah. What for you have you noticed is the most like has changed the most for you? I mean, just the idea that we're we can go outside anytime <laughs> we can go for these epic hikes 15 minutes away from our place. Yeah, I'm pretty tired right now. We went on like a four hour hike this morning and I'm like. I just want to run a bath right now. And Matthew's like, we just got to record the just intro. Just record the intro and first. Then you can, and then you, then you can, can take a bath. Exactly. So I'm really excited to take my bath. And I'm also uh, coming off of a uh, quite a intense experience that I had yesterday with a beautiful shamanic healer and channel that was uh, her presence i suppose was gifted to me from one of the guests that we've had on the show which i don't really want to give too much away because i'm not really sure if this person like wants their name just like thrown all around the internet they don't really have photos up of themselves or videos or podcasts they're really private but she's this beautiful healer um who lives most of her time um in hawaii and i was on a waiting list for i guess like three months or so to meet her which was a phone session and one of my intentions for this was really just to talk to someone who has more psychic intuition that they're tapped in than I do about my path and our path and what we're doing and this is such a big transition time so it feels good to sometimes get um, some clarity and like a little like nudge of are you in the right direction is you know what's kind of going to happen and you know i know we have free will here so 
regardless of what you find out from a psychic teacher, because I have a lot of people will say that to me that they are afraid to see someone who can, you know, see into the future. Are they going to tell me that I'm going to be sick? Are they going to tell me that I'm going to die? Are they going to tell me I'm going to get a divorce? Like all yes, the negatives. terrifying. All <laughs> the negatives that they, they could potentially say. Yeah. I personally have never had any kind of experience like that with uh, psychics that and I've had. Well, I can say between the one yesterday that I met with and then another one that I'd been seeing uh, when I was in Philadelphia for um, probably like on and off for 10 or so years. There was nothing like that ever. It really was just about sort of like a vision just quest. Just that one person. Who? In, uh, in Woodstock that said you were going to meet a light haired guy. Oh, yeah. The blonde guy. I'm still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can go on a horseback ride with him or something. I don't know. But I mean, you got you, you to gotta take what feels right. And nobody is perfect. You know, like it's a really strange profession, if you think about it, to be able to tap into some ether to to some higher place that you can tap into these records and you know, look into somebody's future, but also be able to connect with their past or maybe even like crossed over loved ones or angels or guides. And my intention for yesterday was to find out a little more about this new path that I'm on. And I kind of have some ideas, business ideas that have been percolating. And I wanted to just see if that was picked up. And then also I've just been wanting to connect with my father for 16 years since he passed away over 16 years ago. And I had never heard of anyone who was a medium. I had seen psychics, but not anyone who I knew had the gift of mediumship. And uh, I didn't even know that this person, I didn't know what to expect really, because they're really a shaman and a healer and able to kind of pull things out of your emotional body, your, um, your kind of reorganize your system, your chakras. And so I was very open to what was going to happen and didn't have too many expectations. But before the session started, I was like, I want my father to come through. And I was imagining him and what he looked like and his name. And, and I also was like, and I want clarity on kind of future work endeavors. And that is exactly what this hour turned out to be all about was the, were those two things without me prompting her. those yeah. things it was just you know she really just picked up on so much of what was still like kind of holding me back and what some of my like core woundings are and how they live in my body and we and really was helping me release that and my dad came through and there was so much clarity around that and his passing that I really wanted to hear and have been wondering about for so long and that you know and but it's like the interesting thing is so much of what she said to me I I knew like I had already I already knew this, but it's hard to trust your own intuition. I even have wrote some of these things down about what I'm supposed to be doing right now, what my higher self and my intuition has been telling me. I've been writing them down. And, and then she's saying like almost verbatim. So the guys and the angels are telling me that you need to be doing this. And I'm like, well, I wrote that down. That's exactly what I've been telling myself I need to do. But you don't always listen to yourself. So hearing it from somebody else was just so confirming. and. In particular, I'm just really excited about this new business idea and venture because it's been something that has, I think, been in the works for a long time for us. Even if we didn't know it, yeah, it's been in the works. Exactly. And it's like now 
is the time where it's going to start to actually take shape and become a thing. So just wanted to give a little update. That's what's on my heart today. And I'm feeling a little wiped out, worn out. I mean, also the hike didn't Emotionally help. <laughs> exhausted and physically exhausted. Yeah. And um, I'm headed to LA for a few days tomorrow to do a fitness video shoot, which is really, really fun and exciting. And yeah, I get to play dress up and get hair and makeup done and get my meals catered and stuff like that feels catered kind of, meals really no i mean i mean when i say catered i mean they're paying for them okay okay <laughs> so no I craft mean, services on no, set no it's not a craft service like so that's exciting and i'll share more about that project when it comes out it's an app that mackie and i both work for a company called onyx but they haven't launched yet so when they do launch it'll be a cool new fitness venture if anybody wants to check it out and do some workouts. Anything else that you want to update the the team on here, Mackie? Oh, the group, uh, our the Facebook? Facebook group. Mm -hmm. It just started up this past week. Transforming yourself. Check that out. We'll leave a, a link to it in the show notes. And uh, yeah, we just want to make that a place where people can kind of continue the conversation, ask questions after you've listened to the episodes or if you want to connect with other people who are also listening to these episodes it's we want to just create this safe space community where we can all hang out online yes yes and eventually in real life because i envision yes. retreats and actually being able to connect with people in person love it so much we may <laughs> even have an, our first in-person podcast coming up we'll leave leave the details out but that that could be fun i know we're really excited about that kind of deciding if we're going to video it if we're going to go that route or not but yeah without further ado i want to definitely give this intro to jennifer sedini and let you guys in on how amazing and beautiful this soul yeah, this is that we had on the really, show really epic we actually this is a two-for-one podcast because We'll share in the show notes the link to the Euphemet podcast, which was she, she was a, a guest on. And that kind of tells her story of going to Tibet and going on this epic adventure through the mountains, which was full of magic and synchronicities. So that's a really cool thing to, to, to check out. And then you can listen to our podcast as well, because it's, it's continuing the conversation. Yeah. And t tell, tell the listeners, who is Jennifer Sedini? Yeah. She's an author, public speaker, and she's the founder of the conscious media platform Evolve and Ascend. Through her travels and research, she's visited some of the world's most sacred esoteric places like Egypt, Nepal, Tibet, and Bhutan. She's a lifelong student of the occult, and she now shares her knowledge through a wide variety of endeavors, including her best-selling internationally published Oracle card deck created in partnership with Natalie Miller, a mentee Oracle Feather Heart Deck and Guidebook, and also her podcast, Radio Amenti. Yeah, she's awesome. And this episode was jam-packed full of just really cool conversation. Talk a lot about how to uh, just live with more awareness and cultivate what she calls this light as a feather heart, even amongst all of the chaos and the suffering that we coexist with and will coexist with probably for you know i can't i don't know if we're ever going to get to a utopia anytime soon so how do we cultivate this light as a feather heart during all of that we also talk a lot about there's um kind of like a timeline for a lot of us 
and I'll, I'll lump myself into this with spiritual awakenings and a feeling of like overwhelm that can happen when you go through this process. And so she talks a lot about just her uh, support that she just gives support basically on how to dive into esoteric ideas and navigate through all the feelings that happen during this, like who, what, where, why, you know, it's just, an, it can be very intense when you're starting to question your reality. And when you're starting to question your programming, when you're starting to see how you operate from an unconscious place and you begin to operate consciously. And that is, that's not all sunshine and rainbows. Like it really, really brings up so much for a lot of us. And so we, we talk about how to navigate through that. And she's a really great support because she's been doing this. She's work. been through it all. Yes, yeah, she's been doing it for a long time. So check this out. Let us know what you think. Please rate and review. We are up to, I believe, almost 60 reviews. Last I saw 58. Woohoo! Yeah. Let's get it to 60, baby. If you have an <laughs> Let's iPhone. Let's get it to 100. Yeah. Screw 60. <laughs> if you have an iPhone, just go on your, uh, on your iTunes uh, podcast app and just scroll to the bottom of our show and you will find a place that you can rate with stars and you can just submit a quick review. It takes like five seconds. Any help that you can give us with in supporting the show really would be so incredible. And we're so grateful for all the reviews that we have received. And the listenership just keeps growing. And uh, please join the Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. And here is our episode with Jennifer Sedini. Here we go. All right, Jennifer Sedini, welcome to the WooCast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. I was just telling you how inspired I was by your story that you ha had on the Euphemet podcast about your travels. And if you could just give our listeners just the, just a quick overall, we don't need to go into the full story because it's just, it was magical and you guys should listen. We'll link to that. We'll link to that show because for anyone out there, like, it's a magical story, but just a quick overview of that travel experience would be awesome. Yeah, happy to. So yeah, that that podcast is actually it, full of synchronicities as well. <laughs> but uh, about gosh, three or four years now. God, like what's time anyway? I, I feel like the more as time goes on, the weirder that concept becomes too. <laughs> yeah, totally. But um, I went on this incredible journey through Tibet and Nepal and Bhutan, which was riddled in synchronicity. And, um, you know, it was strange how that trip even came to be because a friend of mine, his name's Dr. Nitin Ron, who actually would be another great guest for your show. He is a neonatologist. So that means he saves premature babies. Um, but he also is a TED talk speaker and he studies meditation and mountain climbing. And he had a birthday party and, literally was talking about going on this trip to Nepal and I invited myself. I didn't know anything. I was just like, I want to go. Like, that. This sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, well, we're actually going to Tibet to hike around this mountain called Mount Kailash. And I'm like, oh, that actually sounds amazing too. I, I've always wanted to go to Tibet. I'm in. So I signed up and I didn't even know what I was getting myself into, like how intense and rigorous this journey around the mountain would be. And that it's actually this pilgrimage it's the sacred abode of shiva and um it's believed that you know this is this pilgrimage is so sacred to the bone tradition the buddhists like the hindus it's like the pilgrimage and it's believed that when you circle this mountain it's supposed to clear all of your like past life karma and it's very mystical it's like something out of you know ancient aliens <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, I signed up for this trip and, um, as fate would have it, a lot of synchronicity had happened around green Tara, which was, you know, I I've only loosely touched Tibetan Buddhism in my journeys of like trying to understand spirituality and look into philosophy. I was really fascinated by theosophy for a while. Um, I actually brought my copy of, uh, Blavatsky's secret doctrine to Tibet. I'm like, Oh, cool to read this here where she apparently had went. Um, but yeah, a lot of interesting stuff happened with green Tara coming into the field and, um, I don't know. It's like such a long story yeah, to condense yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and Green Tara, for those who don't know, how would you describe Green Tara? A god was a goddess? Yeah. So she is a Tibetan deity, uh, which is supposed to be the mother of all Buddhas and the mother of compassion, grace. Um, you know, and when she kind of showed up, it's, it was one of our fellow travelers almost died on the trip around the mountain. And I cut my trip short to help him through it. So he had gifted me this green Tara and then all of this other really interesting stuff started to happen when that occurred too. So yeah, really if you're to boil down her archetype though, it's compassion and kindness. Mm -hmm. so. And I was just telling Jennifer that my mom gifted me a green Tara and, uh, I was thinking about you and that podcast and the things that I'm trying to work on in my, my own personal development right now, one of which is sort of healing this like feminine wound that I realize that I have <laughs> through, <laughs> you know, just sort of witnessing my, my behavior and sort of how I show up in the world and um, how I operate and there's a lot with my own mother too. There's a lot of wounding there. And for her to gift that to me out of nowhere was very strange. Like I have to give this to you, come up to my apartment. And Maggie and I were like, what's, what is happening right now? And she's like this, I had a dream about you being a goddess and I just need to give this to you. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you know? Um, and then what was the other one? You said there was another one that I got. Well, the one that, uh, oh. from my grandmother's oh, your house. grandmother, his grandmother just passed. And there's another one that just came as a gift to me. I'm like, this is wild, just <laughs> wild. And then, you know, not to take away from, because I really want to talk about synchronicities and sort of getting into this and like dreams sounds like something that we can align on, but dreams are so powerful and, and visions and, um, through meditation, I had been seeing, um, mother Mary and mm -hmm. I have never been religious in my life. And I was saying, earlier that it's almost kind of to my detriment and that anything that becomes sort of religious or there's, you know, Jesus or mother Mary or anything kind of comes into my peripheral. I'm like, Oh God, Nope, we're not going there. Like I am not like, into, I'm not religious, you know, because I grew up without anything like that. And very much parents who were like, no, nah, I don't know what's out there. You know, we're just, we just are. My brother was very much uh, um, an atheist. And so I'm curious for you. Um, I would love to hear about your sort of, spiritual first spiritual journey like the steps and how that came about did you grow up with spirituality how did that show up for you yeah so i i grew up in a very like white anglo-saxon protestant area right like it's very white very christian catholic religious 
I grew up without religion. I was never baptized. My grandmother literally from the time I was little was like the Catholic church is corrupt. Priests are pedophiles. Like my grandma had a mouth on her too. So she would like go on these rants and I'm like five years old and (laughs) dinner table. And she's like, the Catholic church is corrupt. Um, But (laughs) I mean, she's not wrong. There is a lot of corruption. (laughs) Completely. Um, But she was an occultist and she read a lot of Crowley and was really into philosophy. And she taught me how to read Oracle cards when I was really young and was always trying to inspire me to like think outside of the box and to not give into religion. And ironically, it was very strange because she kept, she taught me to really keep an open mind. Right. And when I'd be around like my religious friends, when I was younger, I felt like so judged and so like, I was going to go to purgatory or hell because I wasn't baptized. And these are things that they're saying to me. And I'm like, well, it's so strange that it's like your religion says, love thy neighbor. And you know, your God is like this compassionate God. Like, why am I going to go to hell when I'm a good person? And I didn't have the water ritual. Like, I don't understand this. Mm -hmm. So because of my grandmother, because of all these things, I've always like thought outside of the box. And when she died, she died when I was 12. um, And it was very traumatic for me. And that death, pushed me further to seek and understand why the world is the way it is or what religion is or what God is or what everything means. Because, you know, between her exposing me to all of this at a really young age, kind of like the experiences I had socially, but I've always been a really lucid dreamer and had these like precognitive dreams and things I could never explain. And I had no container to put them in. You know, I was like, you know, 10, 11, 12 having dreams and then it would happen. And I'd tell my mom and my mom be like, that scares me. Don't talk about it. So I'm like, well, where do I go to find this? And I don't believe in religion. So there's not a container around this. I'm not so like, I don't identify as a witch. So I'm not like, oh, this is a witchy thing. So what does it mean? So her death was the catalyst to seek further. And then, um, you know, I repressed a lot of it in high school because it was like not cool back then, like to like be into this stuff, like in like 2000s, it was like, oh, you're weird. You know, like, what are you talking about? That's weird. So I just like, I put it to bed. Nobody watched Um, The Craft. I mean, come on. That was my favorite movie growing up. (laughs) I would watch that movie on repeat. I was like, and I would invite my friends over and we, I'd be like, lays a feather, stiff as a board. Let's go guys. Get it together. Come on. Everybody lay down. I'd be like, turn the light off. Let's do Bloody Mary. Well, actually that one, we would, that was terrifying. That was not one I wanted to do. Did you do, do that? I did it one time and it freaked me out it so is, bad. Yeah. <laughs> you can really scare, scare yourself. Yeah, totally. Like Ouija boards, all that stuff. It's yeah. like, mm-hmm. that's, you're going into like really dangerous territory of like Candyman, all that. Like, yeah. <laughs> but like, I don't know. It, was, it wasn't cool where I was to be into that stuff. It was like this like very like surfer community where like right. if you taught, but I was like also like, I have to be honest, like I was like a nerd when I was like in like seventh and eighth grade and I loved Marilyn Manson. And like, they were just like, you're, you're weird. (laughs) (laughs) So like I get to high school, like I'm going to just step into like being like cute and not talking about all this weird stuff Mm -hmm. because people like their eyes glaze over when I start mentioning like, oh, well, the universe is bigger than we even realize. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I, I was definitely like Marilyn Manson, Nine Inch Nails. Mm -hmm when I was in middle school and into high school and uh, yeah, I always joke like you wouldn't even recognize me if you saw pictures of me. I had like hot pink hair and was very, I was, you know, I was trying to find my identity, but I identified more with just being different, I guess not mainstream in that way, you know, but what is mainstream? What is, you know, it's, it's different wherever you are, but yes. And some of that music is 
it's interesting now listening back to some of that music, because when you're young, you might not really even know like what these lyrics are speaking to, but they do go into your subconscious and you are like, (laughs) they are sort of like, they are affecting you. Music is so effective in that way. Oh, are you muted? Pause for one second. There you are. You're back. We lost the sound. That's okay. We can always edit. Can you hear us? I lost the sound. It's okay. We can hear you. Oh, there. I saw a little mute thing come up. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. We can hear you. I can't hear you. You can't hear us. Oh, weird. Hmm. This never happened. Can you hear us now? No? You think you have to wiggle the thing, Maggie? Um... You think it's Google Meet? You think we should do a Zoom? We can pause it. Let's um. We can send her a Zoom link. Let's chat. Okay, hold on. We'll chat with you. We're gonna do the chat. Okay, hold on. I got. I got you. Oh, you got it back. Is it on our end or your end? Because we. I was gonna say we can always. We can edit. We We can do do the entire time. It's so weird. And we could do Zoom. (laughs) Yeah. No. This. I. I. I heard you up until um. You had said like the subconscious, like music in your subconscious. Yeah. So saying it's interesting because you know even though you might not understand what these lyrics are telling you when you're that age but you you get a sense of a feeling and it is going into your subconscious and music is just so effective in that way it's so moving in that way and it helped me so much when i was younger listening to some of that music even though it was heavy music you know yeah it was like a way of expression like i was i mean in that time in my life like such a angsty like there was so much going on in my personal life but that music was like i can't express myself but this is expressing it for me you know completely yeah and especially that i think that was the thing with like marilyn manson like i think like 1996 or 1997 right this is like really before the internet took off before like social media before anything like we had dial up aol you know and like when you think about the lyrics and the beautiful people and it's Mm -hmm. like two or even um on mechanical animals he has a song called posthuman which really like is like talking about like transhumanism and technology and things like that and it's like you think back to then that it's so strange to think where we've arrived because yeah. the this impetus of like fame and like look at me look at me and like how much we rely on technology is strange to have been listening to that music at like 12 and 13 and then to arrive here and be like huh interesting it's really interesting. interesting i mean he was so far ahead of his time when you put it like that i actually hadn't thought about it like that yeah. It's hard for me to like listen to him now just because like all the stuff yeah. that came out about him and yeah. I have a friend that like worked on a movie set with him. So like some insider scoop and I'm like, well, but still he was a great artist, is a great artist. Just, yeah, right. you have to be able to like, dis- and human. you have to just dis- be able to like discern between some of that. And like, even with, you know, I was thinking about this with um, certain yoga practices, you know, like Bikram, Kundalini, you know, some of these incredible practices that have transformed people's lives. But then, you know, does that mean you have to uh, feel bad about, you know, you, that you practice because of what comes out in that community? But, you know, we have to look at what are the things that were positive that you got out of it, you know? Completely. That's such a good point to bring it up because it's something that I've, I've struggled with a lot over the last year in particular. So, like, I haven't done ayahuasca in a year and I went through, like, a very, like, deep, deep, like, I'm going to do ayahuasca, I'm going to do 5-MeO-DMT, I'm going to, like, go deep. 
And then I had something really scary happen in a ceremony and I was like scared straight. I'm like, I don't Mm want to do this again. So, and then all of what's happened over the last year between like COVID, conspirituality, this like weird intersection of like the wellness world and like really strange, like conspiracy thinking that's like super dangerous. And I'm like, well, what is it all for? And then like, I had these like waves of thinking like, well, God, like I'm actually like resentful of this. And like, I don't know how I feel about this, but then ultimately, like if you subtract it, And you think about like, this is actually a tool that has great potential for healing, like PTSD and anxiety and depression, not healing, like healing is like never a period at the end of that sentence, right? It's always dot, 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 Mm -hmm. but it's, it can help us cope through the things that, you know, we are like society (laughs) has kind of imprinted upon us because of the structures that are in place. So it's hard like to hold both to say like, well, this is a beautiful thing, but this can also bring out ugliness. Or maybe the person that created this amazing tool may have their human frailty involved too. So it's like being able to reconcile the paradox between like these spaces. And I think that's like really like a part of the human condition because like nobody's perfect. Mm -hmm. Nobody. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Nothing. nothing is. I mean, you can look at the, you can look at the duality of anything, you know, and it's about, yeah, extracting what feels what feels right for you. And that I find that to be challenging to trust your own feelings and to trust your own instincts and intuition when, you know, we're looking outside of ourselves a lot for, you know, the opinions, the the reviews, the, you know, like what does this person say? What was their experience? And if we keep going down that rabbit hole, oftentimes it becomes just so much clutter that it's you become even more confused than when you first mm-hmm. went in versus just being what well, we were just l- reading all about synchronicity today. And um, it was trusting that you can just, you know, instead of taking the right, just take the left and just trust that whatever is going to be down that left path, that taking that left is going to be really awesome. And for you, you know, versus me asking like, Jennifer, what path right or left? Yeah. You tell me. <laughs> You tell me, <laughs> right? But we, we want that certainty a lot. Yeah. And that certainty, I mean, that's where, where does that exist? You know, like there to be so certain, there's no certainty to be found. Right. Yeah. And I like that idea. Like, um, you know, do I go left? Do I do, do right? If you actually went right instead of left, like maybe you'll just arrive where you were meant to anyway, you know, and that's not like a spiritual bypass or gaslighting. I remember like I had this vision once on San Pedro about like, you know, like the Sephiroth of the Kabbalah and the tree of life. And like, there's like the spheres of different emanations of God. I'm like imagining it as like a, a pinball machine where like mm-hmm. the spheres are just like, you're just popping in and out of these things. And it doesn't matter like where the game takes you, you're going to pop in and out and eventually arrive where you need to be anyway. Yeah. I like thinking in metaphor and like that, that kind of way. Yeah. <laughs> well, with that then, do you think that there is something that is the sort of the driver and you're kind of just like in taking the ride or do you believe that it's all about just free will on this life? Or do you believe it's a combination of both? That is a question that I have been really thinking about a lot lately. Like, do we have free will? What does it mean? If we do, how much free will do we actually have? Um, I, I recently binged Adam Curtis's new series called Can't Get You Out of My Head, which is excellent. Oh, Highly worth the time investment. Okay. It's amazing. Um, and at the end of it, I arrived, I'm like, maybe we actually just live in a simulation. Like maybe that's just it. 
maybe we do. And if we do, and I don't have free will, does that take away with like that? My life is actually really beautiful and wonderful right now. Like if there is just some like pimple face kid programming me from another dimension, who cares? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but then I have moments where like I put, I, I have like a weird, I guess, um, what is the word? Like not paranoia, um, superstition, where I like to write everything on paper first before I type it, especially when it comes to like works of art or books or things. And I'm like, I find that when I write stuff, shit gets real. So what mm -hmm. does that even mean? Does that actually mean anything? Is this me ex exercising my will onto paper and then my own form of chaos magic that it's coming into reality? I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, I, I think being comfortable with the I don't know is okay. That you can be like, well, do we have free will? Do we not have free will? Does it take away from the magic when it does come up? I don't know. Yeah. And I think that it's okay to feel like, oh, this is, this is right for me writing this on paper. This feels right for me in my life. As long as, you know, it doesn't feel like it's taking over in some obsessive way where, you know, you're not able to concentrate on other things because, oh no, I didn't write it on paper, you know? Being flexible exactly. with that, I think, is is important. Um, I was thinking about the simulation theory because it's been coming up a lot as I've been like listening to people on podcasts and, you know. Um, but when I was young, I distinctly remember I still have this vision of having that moment of I think I was probably eight to 10 or something. And we were driving in a car and I was just such a daydreamer. I was always just visualizing like my future or a fairy tale or whatever, you know, children just make up worlds in their mind. But I remember having this vision of this young girl and I can still see her short hair, glasses, sitting at the TV, watching my life and just thinking like somebody is watching my life, Truman like, show. like a Truman show. Yeah. And I just, it's, you know, it, it's felt very like almost simulation. Like is my life, my own life is somebody watching my life, making my life, you know? So, yeah. um, I never thought about it in the way of like, people are saying it like video games now, you know, like the Sims or something, <laughs> but TV was, you know, what we had when I was younger. I didn't, I don't know if I had a computer then, but I thought of it yeah. being more like a TV show. Totally. But I mean, if, if that is a thing, this is like where you start to be like, oh my God, everything's mind blowing. Like if you think <laughs> of like a TV show or like a game, like would Mario, what if Mario sentient, like who would know yeah. that he's actually being moved by a control stick? You know what I mean? <laughs> and then he just keeps coming and coming and coming. Mm. I mean, I love Mario as just like a metaphor for life anyway. Didn't he's like, they make, yeah. The people who made Mario, weren't they like on shrooms when they came up with oh, that? Totally. Totally. <laughs> for anyone out there who... Think about Mario if you've never thought about it before, like jumping into a massive mushroom and goes you know. into the underworld. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's he's trying to like fight off this reptilian entity while he's yeah. collecting gold coins. And like, you know, I love the <laughs> metaphor, too, because like in the early Mario's, like you couldn't go back to the past. Like right, the past right. doesn't exist anymore. Mm. Um, one of my favorite Mario stories we'll share as an anecdote is have you guys seen the Mario film, the Super Mario movie? Like years ago, right? That came out. Yeah. Yeah. It was terrible. Yeah. It was like so bad. But Bob Hoskins, the guy who played Mario, oh, yeah. Yeah. didn't know that it was based on a video game. And he was like, really like, oh, this was like the worst experience, blah, blah, blah. Like he agreed to the script reading that script. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> Yeah, I'll do this. That sounds good, right? Well, it was probably Italian like, plumber. How much not? money? What's the contract? Okay, yeah, all right. There's some money here. I'll do this. 
<laughs> I'm just imagining him agreeing to it after reading it, but then like not realizing like it was based on a video game. Like he thought that was a good idea. Like, okay. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> so what was your first kind of entry point then after, you know, your grandmother's passing and sort of wanting and seeking and what is going on here? Like, was there more to my reality? Like, who am I? Why am I here? What is this? What was an entry yeah. point for you into that? So I think, you know, she had died and then, you know, high school and stuff, I repressed a lot. And then, you know, it wasn't until around 2011 that I started to kind of like have this like interest spark again. And that was, I was working in pop culture, working for a famous reality star as like a blogger for this blog. And I was researching viral content. And around that time they were talking about like 2012, Mayan calendar, end of the world. And I was like, oh, this is really interesting. So something started happening where like I went deep into the Mayan calendar rabbit hole. And then I started listening to a lot of Alan Watts and started listening to a lot of Terrence McKenna. And then I watched Daniel Pinchbeck's 2012 Time for Change. And when he did that documentary, he talked about ayahuasca. And ayahuasca was something that I had heard about years prior um, because somebody that I went to high school with had a really traumatic injury, went down to the jungle, did ayahuasca, experimental chiropractic, went from being bedridden, told she'd never walk again, be bound to a wheelchair for the rest of her life, to then like walking with a walker. And wow. I remember hearing her story and that stuck with me so much. And then I hear ayahuasca again when I'm like listening to this documentary. And at that point in my life, I felt like I was in this place where I'm working in pop culture. I have like all of the traditional milestones where it's like, you know, you have like a house, you have like material wealth, you have all these things, but I was miserable. And I just felt like a bird trapped in a golden cage. And like the metaphor I use a lot for that time was like, I felt like a firefly in a mason jar with no holes for air. Like I was just completely like suffocating and I felt emotionally paralyzed. So thinking about like the end of the world and all of this stuff. And then I'm like, well, I feel like I'm paralyzed. And what is all this, this word ayahuasca, psychedelic healing? Um, basically, it landed me to the point that around December 21st, 2012, uh, my ex-partner and I decided to take the, the hero's journey, a Terrence McKenna style dose. Nice. And <laughs> I hadn't done mushrooms. It's like, I did it once when I was like 17. And I was like, oh, wow, everything's beautiful. Everything makes sense. Um but we decided to do that journey. And it was funny because I've told this story so many times that it's always so funny to say because I didn't know what I was getting into. I thought it was just going to be this tool to help me understand if the world was really ending or beginning or what my life purpose is. And when the dose started to hit, I was like, oh my fucking God, I'm dying. I'm dying. I just, I just poisoned myself and somebody's going to have to call my mom and tell my mom that her daughter died because she did mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> What setting were you in? Were you in like your house at the time when you did mm -hmm. it? Okay. So we had a three-story condo and we decided like, you know, he'd stay downstairs and I was going to go upstairs. And then whenever we're ready, we'll meet in the middle and talk about things. Oh, nice. So I went upstairs when we were just like playing music and this is happening. And I'm like rolling around on the floor. I'm like, oh my God, I'm dying. What did I do? <laughs> what have I done? Um, then I had like something washed over me and I was just like, fuck it. I guess this is it. And as soon as I did that, it was like, heaven opened 
I, my life path and purpose got showed to me. It was like, see, your problem is attachment. You attach to fear. You attach to things so much. Like you just need to let go of control. Your purpose on this planet is to show people how to love and to be that love yourself. And I was like crying. And then all this stuff came through and like, you know, like in a psychedelic experience, like all of a sudden, like your pattern making abilities start to like become more heightened. I was like, wow, I understand lost as like a metaphor for life now and all this stuff. (laughs) So basically after that journey ended, synchronicity started to be like on fire. It was like everything after a next, like this, you say something, it happens like the synchronicity web exploded. And, um, I decided that I was going to leave the relationship I was in, leave my job, that everything that I was in was not in alignment with what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. Um, and then, you know, I gave up all of this like material wealth to just have like this little small apartment and like figure out the rest of my life. And I decided to take some money that I had made from Bitcoin and go down to Costa Rica and do ayahuasca and with Daniel Pinchbeck, who was in that documentary. Nice. And then that's when things started to like, just all of the doors that I had kind of shut and like not wanted to access again. Cause I just, you know, fear of judgment, fear of whatever, fear of being weird it was everything just opened back up. And that was the catalyst that really like, that's when I started evolving Ascend. That's when, you know, when I was down in Costa Rica, before I even touched ayahuasca, I had a dream, uh, which was basically the wound up being what turned into a mentee. Mm -hmm. Um, So in 2013, Mm -hmm. the first, one of the first nights I was there at the retreat, I had a dream. And in the dream, I woke up and I saw this being at the end of a hallway holding up a like it was like wearing like a space suit. And I remember vividly in the dream being like, oh my God, like what is happening? What is this? Am I making contact with some entity? I'm about to be taken somewhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I walk closer to it and the being takes off its helmet and it's basically like, there's no alien. There is no other. All that matters in this life is that your heart is as light as this feather. And it pulled out a scale with a heart and a feather. And I had never read the Egyptian book of the dead at that point. So I journaled it. And then when I got home with, I have my ayahuasca journal with all of my drawings and experiences from that trip. When I came home, I looked it up and that was in the Egyptian book of the dead. They believe that the weight of your soul is measured by your heart. And if your heart is as light as the feather of Ma'at or some pronounced Mayat, then you can pass through to the fields of reeds, which is like the next life, right? Um, So that always stuck with me. And then I never knew that like five years later, that's what would turn into a mentee, you know, so dreams are like these imprints into time and space and it's very interesting how that can be breadcrumbs on your path oh absolutely and there's so much healing that can happen in dreams as well which have been how they've been shown up in my life um they haven't been as premonitions but they've always been really healing experiences like finally cutting cords with people meeting them in the dream space and just, you know, I had one recently with someone where we just looked into each other's eyes and it was like soul gazing. And then I just said, you know, I forgive you and I forgive myself. And Mm -hmm. it was so transformative. I walked away from that experience and I got in my car in the dream and I'm sitting in the car and a beautiful koala is just staring at me on the windshield. And it was just Mm -hmm. so like, that is to me, that's real. Like dreams are real, just as real as this right now, dreams are, are just the same. Maybe, you know, I can't like remember touching the koala in that moment, but I mean, I could have, sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you think about how much of our life we spend sleeping. 
Mm-hmm. And how much you mean? We only remember a fraction of our dreams if we're lucky. You know, I always try first thing in the morning, like uh, I always like talking about my dreams. So I'll ask my fiance, like, what did you dream? Or like, I feel like it's really important to talk about it because they evaporate so quickly. Mm-hmm. So having yeah. somebody to kind of like anchor it in when like a synchronicity happens or like a dream loop happens, you're like, see, I told you, this is crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but you have to really do it first really. thing. You really do. Because even today, last night I was telling, I woke up and I was like, my bottom right teeth, they all just came out like a denture. <laughs> I was talking, <laughs> you know, in the dream last night and I'm doing a lot of like, I had a really uh, intense like healing session yesterday and it's just about releasing, letting go of the attachment, you know, making my heart lighter. Like what you're talking about is so beautiful because and if you want to could speak to that a little bit more for the listeners i think that that is just a really incredible approach to life how can we make our hearts lighter well i think like the thing so the power of metaphor right is like a beautiful thing that's why like art and music and film they can speak to you and reach you in ways that other mediums may not like you can read a book and interpret it a thousand different ways or like a philosophy and it really is like an alchemical thing because it meets you where you're at but if you look at metaphor as a tool to help us guide and like just be more present like the idea of keeping a light heart it doesn't matter where you are or what your cultural background is like i think we can all relate to that because life can weigh on us, right? It can make us feel heavier. It can make us feel sad. It can make us feel angry. All of these things build and build and build and harden our hearts. And when that happens, we create walls of like letting people in or letting, like seeing that like, oh my God, the sun is shining. How can I see that the sun is shining? Cause I'm so angry and my heart feels so hard. And I'm just like looking at the ground and angry, right? So if you look at like the metaphor of like keeping your heart as light as a feather, it's like, how do you remove that veneer? around your heart so that you can be more loving and more empathetic and more present to the world. Because I think like when we are hurt and we experience trauma, those building of, of experiences turn into like projections, right? Like we use those as like this form of like, I'm going to project this onto another person who may just like have like a really great intention and wanting to be my friend, but my heart is so closed off that like I'm projecting that they're just going to hurt me. So it's just like, how do we remove those layers of heaviness from our heart and stay feather light? And empathy is a really powerful tool for that. You know, I just edited, um, I haven't, recorded a new Radio Menti podcast in a while, just because I've been in like a love vortex and just taking a break to enjoy that. Um, but I edited this forthcoming episode yesterday, yesterday. And my friends talking about, you know, so much of us talk about like how love is the fabric that connects us in the universe. Like love is the connective tissue. Love is that like kind of like mycelial net that keeps us all bound and inextricably linked. But I don't know if that's the right word. I think it's empathy. And the way he explained it as empathy is because like, we all are in this, we're all trying to understand what it means to be human while wrestling with our mortality and what it means to live in a capitalist society and like to have these magical, mystical experiences and touch the ineffable and dream space and synchronicity. But then to, like you said, to have to pay taxes and still be here and like all this ugliness. And if we look at like empathy as this thing that connects us, that really helps keep a feather light heart because it doesn't matter who you are where you come from, what you do, how many, how much material wealth you have. We're all in a system and a structure where there's a lot of suffering that we have to navigate to just feel okay. 
Um, so this is my long-winded way of saying that it's like a good tool to, to stay in loving awareness. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And something else I heard recently that I've been trying to take to heart a little bit more is that all, not all there is, but something to really pay attention to. And I think it was put that and this person put it as all there is, is beauty and to see the beauty. And that's, you know, what you're talking about, pay attention to the sun you know, even if it's cloudy, pay attention to the beautiful clouds, pay attention to grass that grows, um, pay attention to your own heartbeat that you don't have to make beat. There's just so much beauty, um, but we haven't really been taught to look at it. And so it's like awakening to that, that there's just so much beauty there and that can create a lighter heart as well is seeing that, seeing the beauty in the world, even when there's a lot of suffering happening. But I mean, that's part of why we're going to go move into Mother Nature is I want to just I want to see the beauty. I don't want to stare at a brick building anymore when I look out my window. <laughs> totally. And I love that to see the beauty. You know, there's this uh, ongoing kind of like idea that I love. It's like poems without words. Right. So we're talking about like looking at the sun instead of looking at the grass. But if you're in a space of like lightheartedness and levity, like being able to look around you and like see like the non sequiturs of just life. It's like, oh, wow, this is so interesting. There's like a clown doll like on a trash can next to the beach like that's a poem without <laughs> yeah. oh yeah yeah that's what keeps things interesting yeah. i think you know you just never know what you're what you're going to see and uh being being open to that and being open to taking that as like being interesting and fun and beautiful and it'd be so wacky. easy to walk right past yeah. that too right like not even notice totally. it well it's easy or to just, just like notice. growth yeah. yeah right it's easy to not notice anything really you know, yeah. I, I, I'm very, I'm, I'm really aware of how not aware I am a lot when I'm just wandering around and going from place to place and then realizing that I've just been staring straight ahead or I've never really even looked right or looked left or looked up. Oh my gosh, look at this building. Look at the ornateness on this building. I've never noticed some who built this. Oh my God, it's beautiful. Oh, it's from 1900, you know, and mm -hmm. right there you can make life so much more interesting by just... Totally. Can, calling yourself into awareness just you know at the snap of a finger being like i'm going to be aware right now um it's fun i look at it as a game like a game with myself yeah if you it's can catch game. it <laughs> i think i remember reading a while back that harry houdini one of his tricks for you know because he was like this great illusionist that he would go on walks and really it was like i'm paraphrasing so don't quote me completely but he would take note of as much detail as possible every place he was going every street he was walking like all of the little aspects of the building because again there's so much that we don't take into account and just walk right by. There was this really great show too, kind of like in that same vein of, um, I think it was called Brain Games, where they would just show how little we're actually paying attention and how little we're actually aware of. And one of the games was that, you know, somebody would go up to a counter, place an order with a waiter, right? And then the guy would go, oh no, I just dropped, dropped something. Hold on. And then somebody else would come up mm -hmm. and nine times out of 10, people didn't even realize that the person wow. changed. And it's like two completely different people. It's like people, it was a completely unfazed. We were just like, wow, we really yeah. are like on our phones or in our mm -hmm. minds and so not paying attention. Yeah. I guess with that said, you know, any tips and tricks, you know, that you use for yourself to just be more here, be here now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. I think for me, one of the things that I found really useful, like being here now, right, is like, looking for humor 
and keeping keeping that that's also a great tool for like lightheartedness is like how can you really like be paying attention to your surroundings in a way where you just like see everything and take it in like i always i will pause movies or pause things or like zoom like i'll take a screenshot and zoom in because i'm like i really want to take in the whole picture mm. like i'm not just going to take things at face value i want to see like okay what are they actually reading here so without becoming like a crazy like the guy on the wall mapping everything out but it's like taking time to like pause and look around and like find the absurdity or to find the detail it's really it's a great way of like exercising like greater awareness and also like just deeper connection to the present in like a strange fun way Absolutely. Yeah. So after your um, ayahuasca journey and you come back, I'm always interested to hear about the coming, the comeback, you know, from these really transcendental, magical experiences. And then it's like, okay, now I'm back in my apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I still, there's still people in my life that are the same people that in my life, they didn't have this experience. I had this experience. So that is always very interesting to me is how you uh, integrate, how you take from that experience. Integration is such an important word because when I, when I first did ayahuasca, right? Like it's like summer of 2013 and I, nobody mentioned the word integration on that trip. Nobody mentioned integration or in my research, I, I didn't even hear that word. So I had this transcendental experience where I was just like, everything makes sense. I understand my life path. I understand my life purpose. I understand what all this paint was here to serve me. And now I understand that I'm going to come back. I'm going to create a website called Evolve and Ascend. And I'm going to write a kid's book on cosmic consciousness. And the universe has my back. And all this Bitcoin I have is going to like help me finance this. And I am good. And I came back and my life fucking fell apart. <laughs> like, <laughs> literally like overnight, I lost everything I had because all my Bitcoin were in this trading platform that got hacked. Oh no. So my yeah. life, sa- my savings, my whole plan for the future gone. And then it was just like one challenge after the next where I was just like, well, I thought the universe had my back here. It's <laughs> like, like, it's like, no, we're going to actually <laughs> test you a bunch now. We're going to, yeah. you called for this perfection. Let's just show you a little bit how this actually works. <laughs> totally. And I was like so ungrounded at that point too, where like, I'm just like, no, you don't understand like the universe and like cosmic consciousness and everything connects and like, this is okay. Um, but it, I, that was my integration without even realizing it. Cause I look back and I wouldn't change a thing. I'm glad all of that happened. Cause it was like a stripping away of a lot of my attachments, mm-hmm. a lot of my understanding, a lot of like, depending on like having like a buffer of comfort instead of stepping right into the fire. Right. Because all of these hardships and things that happen in the process of building Evolve and Ascend and building like my voice within this space of like, who am I? All of that had to happen because I think the real danger in a lot of like the new age stuff is that it's all light. It's all love and light. It's all good. It's all for, your, you know, there's a lot of gaslighting and spiritual bypass. Right. We can make you feel crazy. It's like, well, what did I do to deserve this? What did I do to deserve this trauma? Or like, why did I attract this? And I think you can hold that. Yes, our minds are magnets to a degree. Our thoughts create things like our thought forms form into thought form thoughts. But there's a degree of nuance that's really lacking in a lot of the space. Like nuance is really important to hold that like this is just what it is. And there's no gray area is absurd. 
you know? So like when you're going through something where you have like this intense awakening, like I hope that awakening I had with ayahuasca, seeing my path and purpose, but then all the hardship that had followed, there was like, so, there was nowhere I could go that I didn't feel like I was being gaslit. Like somehow I deserve this or somehow this is my fault. I'm just attracting this. Meaning so when like, you would speak to other people who are in like the new age spiritual community. Yeah. And how totally. they would describe to you. Oh, well, this is yeah. happening because. Exactly. Mm -hmm. This is happening because, you know, it's just part, part of like the universe's plan for you and like your vibration and like, you know, just all these platitudes that weren't helpful then, mm -hmm. you yeah. know? So I think this was like the, again, like I love speaking in metaphor, like when you go through these processes, it's like almost like finding the Goldilocks zone. Where it's like, okay, well, here I've I've been, and this is way too far into the new sphere. Now I'm back here, and I'm in the world, and the world is like so heavy and can be so dark sometimes. But there's this middle space where I can be like, well, that's there. I don't really know exactly what that is, but it's magical and amazing and wonderful. But now I'm here, and it's really challenging and hard. Like, how do I find a synthesis of the two without getting lost in either? Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of what had happened over the last Really, it took so like from 2013 to about like 2016 is where I find like 2016 is when like everything started to flow in like a really incredible way. Like so much synchronicity, meeting the right people, meeting like everybody that became like a key player and like just my life and career and friendship and love um, took three years to get to a point where I could be like grounded enough to to be like, oh, wow. OK, all of this stuff is incredible, but let's take what's useful and then move forward with that, you know, without getting so lost in a narrative of gaslighting ourselves into believing that like, you when, deserved this or, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, cause it's a very, when you blanket statement like that, it's like, it's very, it's a very privileged way of thinking, mm -hmm. you know, cause like there are human beings in the world that are like starving there's genocide yeah. there's rape there's awful atrocities that we can't even wrap our heads around because it doesn't even feel human to imagine yeah. so, but to be like well it's just the benevolent universe and like they're just thinking that and it's like no mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> no yeah because you know in in the i feel that way when you hear about magical healing experiences where someone is suffering from maybe a stage four cancer, you know, and this idea that they must have toxic thoughts. They must have some sort of trauma that's deep inside their cells, that they are, that this is how it's coming out. And I can't say that's true. That's not true. But what if this person, you know, has not, has not felt that way. They don't align to any trauma. They don't align. They've been you know, living their life path and purpose and they feel wonderful. And I don't think it even matters really, but to say that, oh, this was brought upon you because of some sort of toxic thinking or, you know, you've absorbed something. That's, uh, you know, that doesn't feel good. It's dangerous territory, yeah. you know, because then it makes you feel crazy because when you're in it and you're really subscribed to it and then you start feeling like, well, what is wrong with me? Why can't I get my thoughts to a space where I'm just like, you know, free, liberated? And I think like that's discounting our humanity to not reconcile that like we're all going to have human thoughts of like sadness like you can't go through life without sadness or anger, right. you know, like they're going to show up. And mm -hmm. if you 
you bury them, then they're going to manifest in even weirder ways, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, so to, to think like it's just gaslighting yourself into not being a human being. Exactly. And that's where the nuances are so important, because I remember when I, you know, I went to school uh, to become a holistic nutritionist. And I remember hearing some of these incredible stories about people healing themselves through plant medicine and food and raw juicing. And um, at the same time, hearing stories where people would go to do that and they would they would die. And then other people would go to do that and they would be healed. And that le- it leaves you with this place of like, well, what would I do if that were me in that experience? And it doesn't leave you with any more confidence because you see this person completely healed. This person passed away. And that is, yeah. you know, and that that is life. That, again, going back to that, that there is no like certainty. Exactly. And nuance is important, you know, like earlier today, uh, I was watching videos on like the placebo effect, Mm -hmm. right? And that's something that we can't discount too, that like the mind is powerful. So, you know, maybe someone's tool of belief or, you know, there's so many layers to it where again, like the gray area, it's okay to be in that space of like, well, this is interesting. This is the other side of it, but I can be in this gray area where like, I'm not so sure what exactly this means you know mm-hmm. it's comp- complicated it's complex exactly and there's no reason to uh decide that in the moment if you're not up against something like that yeah <laughs> no reason to <laughs> riddle yourself with what would i do what would i do and go down that rabbit hole because i would do that i would like look up all of the you know when i was learning about like juicing and i was like so far into you know reading stories and then trying to really like be like what would I do I'm like well that's not happening to you there's no reason to think about what you would do okay we've learned move on (laughs) (laughs) I do want to talk to you about evolve and ascend and just how it's evolved you know yeah over the years for sure um so yeah when I came back from that trip right and even when I was working in pop culture and kind of going down that like Mayan calendar rabbit hole, I was trying to find websites that talked about like esoteric philosophy and spirituality and what was going on in the world. But at that time, a lot of the sites I was finding were like leaning really far one way or another way, or like the aesthetic wasn't that great. And I'm like, well, there's nothing that like feels like cool. I'm like, I want to create something Mm -hmm. that feels cool. And it's talking about the stuff that I'm interested in, but in like a really interesting aesthetic. So my whole idea was like where the Library of Alexandria meets Andy Warhol's factory. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to be this like nexus point of art and music and spirituality and philosophy and psychedelics and become a resource for that. So, you know, we start, I started the site on Squarespace. I had no idea what I was doing and then it started to build. But then this last year, just with everything kind of like the QAnon stuff. And again, this like conspirituality, I just was like, I don't want any of the old content or any of the things that we talked about in the past to be misconstrued. Mm. So I'm going to blow it up. So I literally just like took down the old site and renovated, re overhauled it. And basically I haven't been posting as many blogs on there as much. I've been more active on the Instagram because it's just like kind of a fun outlet to again, like of evolve it to be more like humor and philosophical inquiry and asking questions as opposed to like stating any answers. Mm -hmm. Um, But I had released a statement just kind of sharing everything I had learned over the last seven years of creation of just how it can be this labyrinthian journey, (laughs) like being in conscious media. And a lot of it is like very unconscious. And then like, I just, that has been a journey. (laughs) in and of itself for sure 
Yeah. And I think that thinking about society that we live in and it being capitalistic society, that anytime something becomes trending in which I do think that like new age, spirituality, plant, medicine, psychedelics, like, you know, it can be taken out of context and really it can be used to make money and to uh, push people in a certain direction. And um, that's that I could see how that could be really challenging for, you know, when you started this back in 2013 to seeing kind of how our how our society has sort of like taken you know, in and like a liking to all of this, completely, and I a mean, lot just, now. I feel like with you know after twenty twenty, so much. I never thought then that this is the trajectory of where it had been. Because even like twenty thirteen, like a lot of my colleagues within the space, there's just like a few few websites that were really talking about this stuff. And then like now, it's like Goop is doing ayahuasca right. and like my mom i remember when i told her i was gonna go do it she was like no i'll pay you not to go i don't think you should be doing <laughs> drugs in the jungle and i'm like now she's like oh i saw them talking about ayahuasca on will and grace <laughs> like, <laughs> god what a world yeah how do you feel about that you know does that i don't know i, I i've arrived at a space where I know that it has really powerful life-changing effects and I'm indebted to these experiences to a degree because they've helped shape me and form me and guide me. Mm -hmm. But there, again, this lack of nuance and there's so many things that I hear. It's like a very like common platitude within the space. It's like, well, ayahuasca told me, ayahuasca yeah. told me. Mother ayahuasca like, lives inside of me. She's always with me and I can, and I don't discount anybody's experience. I'm just yeah. speaking what, you know, we've had other guests on the show who this is how they really feel about their yeah. experience. Yeah. And it, it, but it, it becomes kind of, it's become kind of like a meme, you know, mm. because it's like, if you're having this experience and then you think that it's breaking apart your ego, but really it's just becoming another thing that you wear and an identity that you take on. That's, I think where like it, it can become dangerous because it's like, if you're not doing this and coming out of the other end and being able to relate to human, human beings in a deeper way, and instead it's putting you on a pedestal it's what, what is it really doing? You yeah. know, like it's supposed to be more like link, a linking tool, not an elevating tool. That's how I would view it. Yeah. I'm thinking in terms of like gurus in that way. Right. And that perhaps when they first stepped into their spiritual path there, none of that existed at the time that they took that first step and they started having a uh, higher levels of consciousness and awareness that, you know, there is more unity in our world, but then with that sense of self and that ego. And then it sort of just builds upon itself where before, before they know it, they're, they're the guru they're you know, on the pedestal. And that wasn't, it's not like they started with that intention. Mm -hmm. And how do you unravel that once you get to that place, which, you know, human beings are so attracted to that. So attracted to people wanting more of them, desiring yeah. them, you know, chasing peak experiences mm -hmm. you know i i i think having a level of self-deprecation is so important and something i've seen a lot in this space is like people lose their sense of humor mm. and they're not able to like call themselves on their own bullshit and i think something that's been important to me is to like call myself out on my own bullshit you know a lot of the things that i talk about i talk from my own experience of like you know to 
over a year ago, I had that where I was just chasing peak experiences because I just needed to find answers. I needed to find answers. It was easier for me to keep going into like the fifth dimension or wherever I'm going Mm -hmm. than to actually be in my body, to be in my skin, to have my feet on the ground. And then it wasn't until having a really heinous trip that I was just like, fuck, I need to be a human being. And like, what if this is like, you know, you would be missing out on this. You know, I think we don't, like you're saying, we don't really look at this as being like, as magical as we could if we made that decision, right? It's all choice. It's all about, I really think it is about choice in terms of like, if I choose to look at something in a certain way and I'm really, and I have certainty with that in myself, then I can live my day like that or I can live a moment like that, right? Yeah. I mean, there are definitely being human, you know, as you know, I we wake up and sometimes I don't know who I'm waking up to for myself. Who is gonna yeah. wake up today? Is it like the, and that's really, I've been thinking about that being so interesting. Like, is the person who's going to wake up today, like the version of me going to be like in a good space or are they going to be in a not so good space? Yeah. And I can't predict that necessarily. No, but we're such sensitive creatures too, that we don't even realize like how much can actually inform that. Who am I waking up to today? Like this week I had like a really kind of challenging week. And I brought it on myself because I watched Hereditary. Um, (laughs) I rewatched it actually a second time. I knew what I was getting into and I'm very sensitive to stuff. And I watched that and then all of a sudden I'm fighting with my mom and then I'm having these really crazy dreams and then I'm in a bad mood when for like weeks prior to that, I've just been like really happy. But it's like, it's so interesting how like it can be this little ripple that can inform our and shape our entire perspective for like a day, a week. And Mm -hmm. you realize it can just literally be like what we're consuming in in our media. Yeah. And I, I, I've come to a place of acceptance with it and that I think we need it. I do think that we need to have like a heinous day. We need Mm -hmm. to have a heinous week. Like it's a part of then being able to go back and be like, oh, good, I'm back to feeling good. I don't think we can just feel good all the time. Or just feeling normal. No, it makes normal. a normal day feel yeah. great after having <laughs> yeah. a terrible day. Oh, you're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I'm not having totally. a tantrum today. <laughs> <laughs> it's balance. Like how I think if we always had great puppy kitty rainbow days, then we'd take those for granted. It's like having the shitty days helps put things in perspective and say, okay, well, I've actually learned a little more about myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I, I thought I had myself mastered. I thought I'm a Jedi, but like, no, I literally watched a horror movie and I've spiraled out because of that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I, so good. I saw the preview to that movie and I knew I was like, I can't watch this. Yeah, I just there's certain ones I'm like this is heady and this would definitely like freak me out. There's just certain yeah. there's certain movies where I'm like the I'm so affected by the trailer that I'm like nope yeah. can't do it. And you like Agua de Florida by your side if you're like you know what I mean like you can't no don't mm-hmm, watch it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um well you you know you said on your website I I wrote a couple things down which of course I never get to anything I write down because that's just how it rolls. But you said being honest, self-deprecating and aware of the complexities of being a human is challenging, but rewarding. And I agree with you in that. And, you know, the, the people that I'm most attracted to are (laughs) self-deprecating the best comedians. They're self-deprecating. I mean, that's that humor. Like we take, can take life so seriously. We can take ourselves so seriously. Totally. And so I, you know, I, I love calling myself out on my bullshit. I'm just like, dude, you're, you're being insane, you know, <laughs> like, 
Completely. So if we're, that's, that's a level of self-awareness though. You know what I mean? Like when I, when I like get into an argument, like I always joke, I'm like, well, I'm an only child Aries from New Jersey. Okay. Like, <laughs> and then you're like, do you hear, did you hear yourself just say that? Yeah. <laughs> I know. Believe me, I've used the scorpionic energy on Mackie a bunch, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but being able to laugh about it and be able to say like okay i really highly relate to this archetype and i love astrology but i'm not gonna like completely invest my entire life into this thing it's like i love this it's an option it's a tool that i can like look to but then i can also be like oh well well i don't know yeah still and i'm just trying to have fun with all of this like this podcast like we we're, we're just saying that we're really trying not to take things too seriously and just enjoy the conversation and have fun with even the conspiracy theories, the spiritual theories, the, you know, it's just, I find it really fun. And if it becomes unfun and, you know, if something gets scary or, you know, really takes us to a place where we don't feel good, then, you know, then we could reevaluate, but we're really trying to look at it from a place of like, let's just explore just total exploration. Yeah. And I feel like that's the best impulse for things, you know, like fun. If you're not having fun, then what's the point? Yeah. We need to have a whole podcast on fun because this is a theme with all my clients and it's like, everyone wants to have fun. Yeah. But when you ask, you know, do you have fun? And most people say no, and I don't know how to have fun. Wow. So it's just been a theme that I've been noticing a lot. And I think, you know, this year didn't help for people depending on their situation. Um, but yeah, we could have, I think we should have, I think we should do an episode on just like, what is fun? What do you, how do you have fun? You know, like when yeah. that childlike, you know, fun. Yeah. Like, and how do you reconnect to it? Like, cause you know, I love those videos on YouTube where you see like a person ripping a piece of paper and it just makes a baby laugh hysterically. Yeah. And you're like, well, what is going on in this baby's consciousness? The paper <laughs> ripping is so funny, but it's like, I, I still have that in my heart. Like I literally... I saw somebody name their baby Otis and I laughed about it for like five minutes. I'm like, Oh my God, it was such a serious name for this baby. <laughs> yeah. I'll do that. I'll laugh alone over absurd things. I'm just like, wow, this is yeah. very funny. Yeah. That's where, you know, we're, we'll link to the show notes, um, your IG accounts and everything, because I think, you know, some of the memes you put up, like that's, you know, I get a chuckle out of like, there's parts mm-hmm. of social media that I love in that way that it can just like take you out of something and like make you laugh, but you have to curate it for yourself. I always talk about that. Like you have to follow the people that are bringing you those funny moments. And if you're following a bunch of people that are, you know, making you feel really insecure or, you know, bad about yourself or you're how you're falling into the comparison trap, that's your choice. Totally. You can choose who you follow. Completely. And I think the thing is too, like, you know, social media is a beautiful tool, right? It can connect people. It connected us. Like I've connected to some of my most favorite minds and hearts Mm -hmm. because of social media, but it can also be like weaponized when like, if you're just starting on a spiritual path and seeking, and then you're looking for things and then you're finding all these accounts that are gaslighting you and making you feel bad and feeling like Mm -hmm. we're not worthy enough. Unfollow like you said, mute, curate, because spirituality is not like a one size fits all model. And it's not, yeah. And there's yeah. so many philosophies and there's so many, there's so many things to look at and to take what works for you and actually is actually useful. Not you feel like, okay, about what it means to be like in your skin. 
on this world and this planet and to maybe craft a reality for yourself that is more ideal and to remove obstacles of mind that may be getting in the way of you creating those things for yourself, but not holding so tightly to that. It's like this one size fits all new age narrative that, you know, all the platitudes are what it is. And it's like, no, there's so much like such a richer depth to the art of this ineffable that don't get so lost in the certainty. Yeah, I love that you said craft a reality for yourself. That is perfectly said in that way. And there's because there are there's millions of people that you can look to uh, to try and learn more. If you're kind of getting into that spiritual woo path of trying to see what's what's beyond the veil. But uh, for me personally, what has helped in this is like navigation is who am I attracted to? You know, like, how do they make me feel? And like, that's where your intuition can come in. And if you get this like, ooh, I don't know, you know, okay, next. There's millions of people, (laughs) you know, you know, when when we, you know, listen to the podcast that you're on, I was like, yes, you know, like, love her, want to want to talk to her. And then there are people we listen to where where it's just a no, doesn't seem like the right fit, even though this is the right fit, you know, for this person might not be the right fit for another person. And um, I mean, how many people can, are we really going to get to know in this one lifetime? You exactly. know, and there are millions of, uh, you know, choices. So it's kind of exciting that way. You're not, you don't have to pigeonhole yourself. Completely. And it's like, it, I love that you said that using your intuition, like you can literally like muscle test and be like, oof, yes, yeah. expansive, attractive, you know, like, what does it mean? And it doesn't mean that it's bad or good if you feel a certain type of way it's just like i don't know like some people like pizza and some people don't i think it's weird if you don't like pizza but it's all good (laughs) that's how i am with chocolate i'm like uh you don't like chocolate Mm, slight judgment slight judgment (laughs) but then again like if it's not chocolate like i don't even want it like if it's like we're out and there's dessert i'm like okay what do you have nothing chocolate oh no dessert for me (laughs) so maybe i'm maybe i'm too particular but (laughs) um yeah and you're about to be somewhere where there's lots of chocolate as you do your your next move (laughs) yeah there's actually an amazing uh they have like a frozen cacao nice oh stop (laughs) that sounds awesome yeah yeah so where can people find you and what are you doing what are you offering anything right now? Like what's your. Yeah. So um, I have a multitude of ways that people can find me. So I'm on Instagram as Jennifer Sodini. That's my website, Jennifer Sodini.com evolve and evolve and ascend has like memes and philosophical content. Um, my second book. Um, so I have my Oracle deck, a mentee Oracle, which came out about two years ago. Um, but we have a follow-up book called Everyday a Mentee, which is a 52-week guided journal that's like a lot of creative and meditative prompts to take you through 52 weeks of self-inquiry. And it's based off of the seven hermetic principles, the three alchemical principles, and the 42 ideals of Ma'at, which are what's explored in this the idea of like the feather-heartedness. Um, I'm working on getting the podcast back into flow. Um, I have about 20 something episodes of Radio Mentee, but yeah, the podcast is coming back and that's, nice. yeah, kind of emerging, finding integration after falling in love, which is a psychedelic experience in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which I think yeah. that that's exactly right to just be in that and completely, you know, immerse yourself in that. Yeah. yeah. So that's beautiful. How could you do all those other things and be in a, you know, a love vortex? <laughs> I remember when we, when we fell in love and I don't even know what we did, what I did for that first year. Did I do anything? I mean, remember we would like not even like 
we would say we're going to go do something and then we would never leave the house. So we, <laughs> we reminisce on that. I'm like, do you remember that? those days where we'd be like, oh yeah, we're going to go to that workout class or something. And then it would be like, never left the house. Nope. <laughs> Just hold up. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, it was amazing having you on the show and, uh, I look forward to just following along, just seeing kind of what's next for you. Me too. This was great, guys. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you.